I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, on the second episode of the series, The Great Migration, we delve into the now forgotten phenomenon of postal money orders and how a curious aspect of your Indian passport today is a remnant of the 19th century transatlantic slave trade. In 1898, an article in the New York Times pointed out the originality and vigor of this system which existed across the seas all the way in India. The sepoy on active service, the coolie from distant provinces on the Assam tea gardens, and the domestic servant following his master's fortunes over the length and breadth of India are as sure that their monthly wages will punctually reach their remote homes as if they paid over the money with their own hands. Closer home in Bombay, long before skyscrapers dominated the city, it was dominated by mills. The area of Girgaon or erstwhile Girangaon was called the village of mills and Bombay came to be known as the Manchester of the East. But what fascinated the New York Times was an annoyance for the Bombay Mill Owners Association. Workers started taking frequent breaks which impacted production. The workers did not suddenly become delinquent but had a very good reason to take these breaks. They all had to go to the nearby post office and the problem compounded to such an extent that the Bombay Mill Owners Association approached the postal authorities to arrange for services directly from mill premises but they were not sending letters in all likelihood many of them could not read or write they were sending money and if you were born in the 80s and 90s in india there is a good chance that you have only just heard about it and probably dismissed it as a relic of the past the postal money order today about 15% of india's gdp flows through upi which is powered by rbi banks and tech companies with market capitalizations running into billions of dollars Between 1900 to the 1960s, the postal money order handled about two to three percent of India's GDP, all powered by the humble postman. With the birth of the money order in 1880, the life of the migrant changed drastically. It allowed him a cheap, secure, and reliable means of remittance to his family back home. I have never seen a money order myself, but little did I know, my own family once ran and sustained a household on money orders. This is the voice of my mother. ये बात 1972 की है. मेरे पिताजी लखनऊ के पास लखीमपुर खीरी में पुल बनवाने की ठेकेदारी का काम किया करते थे और मैं अपने तीन भाई बहनों माँ और दादाजी के साथ देहरादून में रहकर पढ़ाई करती थी पिताजी हर महीने सात सौ रुपये का मनी आर्डर करवाया करते थे और उसी मनी आर्डर से हमारे परिवार की गुजर बसर होती थी तो जब पहली तारीख आती तो स्कूल से आने के बाद हम तीनों भाई बहन बेसब्री से डाके का इंतज़ार करते और जब डाकिया हमारे घर की तरफ आता तो बहुत खुश हो जाते और जब वो आकर कहता बिटिया पिताजी का मनी आर्डर आया है तब तो आप पूछिए मत कि खुशी के मारे हमारा क्या हाल होता उस समय मनी आर्डर ही रुपये भेजने का आम साधन था बट द पोस्टल मनी ऑर्डर वॉजेंट ऑलवेज सो पॉपुलर इट है यूनिक प्रॉब्लम इन द इनिशियल ईयर्स मोस्ट ऑफ द माइग्रेंट वर्कर्स वैन एंड रेमिटेंसेज वर मैन फॉर वीमेन The gender norms of those times did not allow women to step out of the house 
without a male or an elderly female companion. This meant that women often couldn't go to the post office to collect the money. To adapt to India's social realities, the post office radically altered the money order system to provide home delivery of cash. And only then did postmen start giving money orders at home. But there was another problem to be solved, which started right at the source. Most of the migrants were illiterate and could not fill up the money order form, which required them to write down full names and detailed addresses. And the postal services rose to the occasion again. And there emerged a class of professional letter writers to assist remitters in filling up money order forms. Between 1880 and 2010, the post offices of India issued 7 billion money orders. These became so crucial to some states that they came to be known as money order economies. States that earned a significant portion of their income from money orders. But neither the remittances nor the migration was always domestic. A less remembered aspect of migration was overseas migration, more importantly, indentured migration. The migrants who were forced to work bound by exploitative contracts. These migrants were essentially replacing the slaves which were no longer available to Europe since slavery was abolished. So oppressive was the entire system that it was brought under legislation. In the 1840s, legal provisions introduced a protector of immigrants at the port of disembarkation and a protector of emigrants at the port of embarkation. As per an act of 1844, the protector of emigrants would ensure that no migrant shall embark without a certificate from the agent countersigned by the protector. This act of 1844 went through a couple of amendments, but it has left its mark, which can be seen even today. If you go pick up your passport and turn to the last page which has your name and address, you will see a blank space on top left of the passport. If any of you did not pass 10th class or forgot to submit your 10th class passing certificate, that blank space would have been filled by the words, Emigration Check Required. So while I can assure you that your passport would be blank, because it would fall under ECNR, Emigration Check Not Required. Even today, illiterate laborers who travel to the Middle East for work have Emigration Check Required printed on their passports. The fate of the overseas migrant was immortalized in a song which was sung by Shamshad Begum, a migrant who was born in Lahore, but eventually migrated to Mumbai to sing for films. The song is a duet sung on the backdrop of World War II. Hum chhod ke Hindustan bahut pachtaye, bahut pachtaye. Hum chhod ke Hindustan bahut pachtaye, bahut pachtaye. Hui bhool jo tumko saath na lekar aaye. Hum Burma ki galiyon mein aur tum ho Dehradun. Tumhari yaad satati hai, tumhari yaad satati hai. From the Dehradun of Shamshad Begum's voice, to the Dehradun of my mother's maternal home, the migration experience can be varied within even small geographies. Globally, migration is an unstoppable force and what remains unstoppable with it is the flow of money and a melancholic nostalgia of a home left behind. During this pandemic, some of us voluntary migrants could have gone months or even a year without seeing our loved ones and have felt that longing for home. As we travel within India and abroad, we must see each one as a migrant, each yearning for their own Dehradun. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YB Travel 42 on Instagram. 